0: The scripture passage for the sermon this morning is from the, Ma- excuse me, the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten young bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Now five of them were wise and the other five were foolish. The foolish ones took their lamps but didn't bring oil for them. But the wise ones took their lamps and also brought containers of oil. When the groom was late in coming, they all became drowsy and went to sleep. But at midnight there was a cry, Look, the groom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. But the foolish bridesmaids said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil because our lamps have gone out. But the wise bridesmaids replied, no, because if we share with you, there won't be enough for our lamps and yours. We have a better idea. You go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But when they were gone to buy oil, the groom came. Those who were ready went with him into the wedding and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Therefore, keep alert because you don't know the hour or the day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've got one question for you. Can somebody explain this thing to me? A couple of months ago, Jane asked if I like to preach. And I said, Well, yeah, I like to preach. Well, good. We have we got a sermon for you? The parable of the ten bridesmaids. Thanks, Jane. <laughs> With friends like you, who needs enemies? I tell you. But in spite of the fact that in all of my research, I couldn't get two different sources to agree what this parable really means, we're going to push on. Because when in doubt, if you're a good Methodist like I am, you always go to John Wesley, and John Wesley has the answers. Don't you? I have to come down here. I apologize. I need my visual aid. You laugh, but this is going to be important. You watch. Ace Hardware, 10 bucks. You can't beat it. So in this parable, we've got some really tacky people, it seems like. We've got five wise bridesmaids who seem to be pretty sassy when the foolish bridesmaids said, hey, you want to share your oil? And said, no, we're not going to share our oil. What's that about? That seems kind of mean. I mean, this is scripture after all. Well, we'll get to the reason why they don't share their oil in a little bit. The story is about Jesus, okay? Jesus is the bridegroom. Let's put that on the table right now. But we got to put something in perspective. Actually, you've got to put two things in perspective. We've got to put in perspective the audience that's receiving the gospel according to Matthew and therefore this parable. And we also have to put in perspective the type of literature this is and why it's important for us to understand this parable. The Gospel of Matthew, like the other Gospels, was written for the second generation of Christians, okay? Paul's letters were written before the Gospels were, by and large. By the time the Gospel of Matthew is being written, the church is experiencing its first persecution from the Roman Empire, And this generates a type of literature that the Jewish Christians who are receiving the gospel according to Matthew are very familiar with. And I'm going to use a word that you don't like, apocalyptic literature. Oh, no, he's going to preach on Revelation. No, he's not. But when a community like the Jewish Christians in Matthew's community are suffering from a persecution, they resort to understanding a type of literature that they've been reading for the last 300 years apocalyptic literature. Now, apocalypse means a revealing. It doesn't necessarily mean the end of the world in apocalyptic literature, but sometimes it does. There's three great apocalyptic works in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. First is the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Book of Revelation in the New Testament, and chapter 24 of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus even quotes out of Daniel about some bad things that are going to happen and uses imagery that Daniel uses. Now, Daniel, you are familiar with because you know Daniel and the lion's den. You've heard that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you've heard of them. Well, those are stories out of Daniel and the jewish people when daniel was written were suffering a persecution from greek civil authorities and greek culture and this literature is written in response to a crisis situation so our passage is in chapter 25 verses 1 through 13 I think it really belongs more in chapter 24 because Jesus is continuing this story, this apocalyptic vision. Okay, what is heaven going to be like? And if you're going to be in that heaven, if you're going to be ready when I return, then the lesson for us in this parable 2,000 years later, as it was for the Jewish Christians of Matthew's community, was how do we live our lives and how do we make sense of this parable? today how did they make sense of it 2,000 years ago well like I said no two people can agree exactly what all the symbolism means so I went to John Wesley and John Wesley tells us this and being a good Methodist that's what you're going to get the Methodist version of this story the lamp with the oil in this story represents faith working through love Remember that. Faith working through love. Here's our first. This is faith. Your lamp is faith. But in our story, faith only gets you so far. The lamp without the oil only gets the five foolish bridesmaids to midnight, but no further. John Wesley says, the five wise bridesmaids have faith working in love they have the light that's working why because the five wise bridesmaids go back daily to the source of their oil the source of their faith and they grow in love day in and day out you can't have an effective faith without love now I know what you're thinking You're contradicting Paul because Paul tells us all we need is faith. Well, he does tell us that, but he also tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. He says, even if I have faith great enough to move mountains and I don't have love, I am nothing. You've got to have the love to go with the faith. See, all ten bridesmaids in this symbolism, they all had the lamps. They all had lamps. They all had faith. But five of them didn't have enough oil, didn't have enough love to get them through what they needed to get through. So when the bridegroom shows up, five of them have to run off and try to buy oil. At midnight? How many oil shops are open at midnight? Well, it doesn't say they didn't get oil, but it's a disturbing thing because if you carry this out to its logical conclusion, well, they went out and they got their love at midnight and they came back, but they were too late. Don't read into that, what I'm not saying, okay, Jody? It did sound like something else, and and I'll pray for you all who thought that, who thought... See, y'all should have been here for the first two sermons. They were much better. We didn't have this audience participation. This is more like Sunday school than it is preaching. But that's a good thing. You're the smart Alexia. Like showed up at 11 o'clock. Thank you. So, do we understand what we're talking about here? No, not really. This is faith with love, okay? The love of Christ working in the lives of those five wise bridesmaids working in our lives. Now you're saying, okay, Gordon, how's that supposed to work for me? Well, once again, we go to the great John Wesley. John Wesley says, we have God's grace, that unmerited love that God spills out into the world, that each and every one of us has, that allows us to even understand that we need God's love, that that prevenient grace that becomes our justifying grace that pardons us for our sins, and then that sanctifying grace that helps us grow in our faith. John Wesley says these young bridesmaids who were wise go back every day to regenerate their love so that their love can become perfect. Boy, if that's not Methodist theology, I don't know what is. Christian perfection. Perfection. So how do we live our lives so that we can have faith with love? John Wesley says, we do have the means, the means of grace to act on God's invisible love in us to show the world how God works through us and into the world. The means of grace are broken up into two broad categories. There's acts of piety. And there are acts of mercy. And you can do this as an individual. You can do this as community. Acts of piety. Now, acts of piety sounds rather self-righteous, doesn't it? Well, don't think self-righteous. Because what we want to do in piety is not to sit there and say, I'm so great, I'm better than you. In our acts of piety, what we do is we read Scripture. And we meditate over Scripture. Scripture. And we pray over scripture. And when we read it once out loud, then maybe we'll read it again silently and maybe we'll read it again. But we keep reading to discern the word of God and what the word of God means for us in our faith journeys. We do Bible study with one another. We read scripture by ourselves, but we also do Bible studies with one another to bounce ideas off of others, to get insights from other people that we may not understand ourselves. Oh, that's an interesting thing to think of. Let me think about that. Let me incorporate that. We attend worship services. Hey, you're doing one of the means of grace right now. You're attending worship. And later we're gonna be partaking of the sacraments. That's another thing that John Wesley says. John Wesley says that we shouldn't do communion often or frequently He said, we should be doing communion constantly. I don't know what what he means by constantly, except that we do it enough that he was a real believer in the people called Methodists to take communion even before Methodism became a church when they were still all members of the Church of England, run down to the Church of England and take communion. It's an important part of our faith journey to be in relationship with Christ, to have a foretaste of that feast to come. So these are acts of piety that we can do as individuals and as community. I left out my favorite one. I can't believe I almost left this one out. Christian conferencing. Anybody know what Christian conferencing is? One, we got a winner. Your, Your pastor's job is safe she knows what christian conferencing is christian conferencing is you and i getting together and generally in small groups but even a group this size and we hold each other accountable you know the methodists were famous for their small groups you know methodists invented sunday school right if you didn't know that you can know it now methodists invented sunday school so that little kids and adults could learn to read so that they could get better jobs and also We'll teach you to read by reading the Bible. But we also have these small groups where people hold each other accountable, not to chastise exclusively, oh, you sinner, I'm a better Christian than you are, but to lift each other up in our failures, to be accountable to each other, not only for our sins, but also for the love of Christ in our lives, so that light can shine between us, so that light of Christ can lift us up. Now, works of mercy, visiting the sick, visiting the prisoners, responding to the needs of the oppressed, the hungry, those people who are suffering from physical or emotional, spiritual, any kind of need, people who are in need of the good news of Jesus Christ, and also maybe in need of a new coat or maybe something to eat. These are ways that we show God's love in our lives by reaching out to those others. This is the way the light of Christ shines through us to others. It's like a prism. The light shines to us and hits us. And through us, the light of Christ goes out into a giant prism so that the light is spread and the word is shared and the light of Christ is in the world. We are responsible for living lives that share God's love for us, to share God's light. Well, as Jesus said, you don't hide your light under the bushel. Lift it up high on a lampstand. I didn't bring a lamp with a lampstand, sorry. All I got is this handheld thing. The message is the same. Yes, it's good to have faith. It's good to have trust in God and God's promises to us because we believe in a God and we love a God who keeps God's promises. But in response to that love, those promises, that faith, that trust we have, we need to express that love by participating in God's community to show that light to each other and to the world at large. Through the means of grace that allow us to say yes, I'm a believer. But it's more than just about believing; it's acting on that belief in love. I remind you what Paul said: If I have enough faith to move mountains and I don't have love, then I am nothing. We are God's children. And we respond to God's love, not by just acting like the sponge, absorbing that love and keeping it all for ourselves. But responding to God's love by sharing that love, by sharing scripture, by sharing prayer, by sharing acts of mercy, by Christian conferencing, by being in relationship to one another while we're also being in relationship with God the Father, through God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God loves us perfectly. In our quest to be more perfectly lovable by God and to love one another more perfectly and love God more perfectly, we respond to the light by sharing the light. Amen.